All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. This is a Web Canopy Studio production. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another exciting episode of Dropping the Gloves. I'm sorry I'm not so energetic, Tim. I got a little bit of a headache. That's two in a row, though. You you were pretty down on, on Friday as well. What's going you on? Know, I don't know. Maybe it's my personal life's creeping into the podcast. Maybe things aren't so great, Tim. Yeah. You never, you never ask me about me. You just want me to talk <laughs> about hockey. How are you, John? How How you is John what? Scott? Today was not a good day. I'll be honest with you. It wasn't. It wasn't one to write down for the memory books. But we'll, you know, we'll get past it. I'm a big boy. I'm not going to complain. But I uh, got a little bit of a headache, so I'm not going to be screaming or hooting and hollering. But there's lots to talk about. I'm glad everybody has joined us because it is like I almost felt after our Friday episode on Saturday we should have taped an episode because so much had happened that Friday night and that Saturday morning. We could do it daily at this point. Oh, it's unbelievable. Um, pretty much the Vesna, well, a candidate for Vesna trophy left the bubble. There was amazing upsets across the board. The Vesna goalie leaves his team, and then they go out and beat Carolina 3-1, to one, which you, they have no right in doing because Carolina is a very good team. You think after losing your starting goaltender, you're going to be a little bit mentally just spent, and they go out and work Carolina. So, man, every every night, I'm just sitting. I'm just like, there's there's so much to talk about, and, and it's amazing. So let's just let's just dive right into it. I um, I'm amazed at how competitive all the all the games are. They they talk about parity in all these sports and all the major sporting leagues. How they want to have parity. Football, I think, has it. Basketball, there's no way basketball has it. I feel like every year, it's like, okay, let's just get to the final four teams because yeah. everybody else is just useless. Um, baseball, there's really only four teams that compete for the pennant every year. Hockey, any one of these 16 teams, maybe taking out a few, I could see making the Stanley Cup finals at this point. That's how crazy this first round has been. I thought it was just going to be so black and white with some series, like with St. Louis and Vancouver. I thought St. Louis would roll them. And Vancouver's up 2 nothing. Washington, the Islanders, I thought Washington would be rested. They'd be good to go. Ilya Kovalchuk's there. They have something to play for. And the Islanders are just dominating that series. And you can, you can go up and down the board. The Flyers and the Stars, that's a competitive series. Even the Avalanche, who I predicted would just – they didn't even have to show up and they would beat the Coyotes. And Coyotes won last game, and it's 2-1 to one for the Avalanche now, and it's anybody's game. So it's really amazing that the only series that – 
well, I guess the Vegas and the Hawks, which are playing right now, live update, the Hawks are up 2-1 to one in the third period with eight minutes to go. So even that series is competitive, and the Hawks should have won last game. Kaner missed a wide-open net to give him the lead 2-1, to one, and he misses that. Vegas goes down and scores. So it's just, you know, it's a game of inches. Literally it is. If Kaner scores that goal, it changes the whole complexity of that game. The Hawks can go on, you know, a little bit of defensive mode. They win that game. They're winning this game 2-1. to one. It's a 2-2 two, two series. It's just – it literally is a game of inches. So anyways, before we get into the hockey talk, the recap, what I think is actually really striking about all of these games and what's happening, I want to just pose a question to you, Tim. Okay. What play-in team has the best odds, according to you, of winning the Stanley Cup this year? So let me, let me, let me run down the teams for you. There's the Canadians. Blue Jackets, Islanders, Hurricanes on the East. In the West, they have the Hawks, the Coyotes, the Flames, and the Canucks. So out of those eight, pick one team that you think could go all the way from right now, even though, yeah, you're, you have, you're hedging your bets because you know the Islanders are up 3 nothing, You know the Flames are tied 2-2, and you know the Vancouver Canucks are winning 2 nothing. So what, what do you think? I'm actually not going to pick any of those teams. My, really? my gut instinct was the Blue Jackets, Columbus. Just give gotta give us some reasons, Tim. Come yeah, on. yeah. Hockey so podcast, you can't just say anything. When I think about, um, you know, I'm still talking a little bit about what they did last year, sweeping the um, lightning, the lightning, and going seven against the Bruins, where it was really anyone series. And then what they did for the Maple Leafs really just stomped them. They're up, right, I think, two to one right now against Tampa. Um, they're a strong team, and of those teams, they're the only team I, I feel like doesn't have a lot of glaring weaknesses. Doesn't have an Achilles heel somewhere that's going to be exposed at one point or another. I think a lot of those other teams have it. This team doesn't. They have a, a, a really a 1A, 1B goalie tandem, both young studs that either one – I mean, Corpus Allo, you saw what he did in this series. He made something like 85 out of 89 shots he saved, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's ridiculous. So Before I, you I, get going, I want to correct you, though. Tampa Bay is up 2-1 to one on them. Tampa's up 2 – even yes. still, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm stick, Yeah, I'd still stick with them. Um and, and with Tortorella, I mean, he's one of the best coaches in the league. So I, I think, yeah, that's my guess. That would be my, my pick there. That's your pick. I, I'm going to stay in the East as well. And, man, I dog these guys. I picked the Caps to sweep them. But there's something about this Islanders team that they seem to just be humming on all cylinders. And the production they're getting from a lot of their lines that they didn't get, you know, through the regular seasons with the Anders Lees, the Barzells just flying on all cylinders. They look like a very dangerous team. And if they sweep this first series for rip, they'll have a nice break. That play-in series won't really mean anything to them, and they'll be nice and rested. Like Derek Broussard's playing well, Jordan Eberle. They have some good pieces. They pick up that John Piguel Pajot from Ottawa. He's yep. a good little player. So they have some players who can make plays, and I also think they have grit, which a lot of teams are missing when they have the Matt Martin Toronto probably wish they had them. Hey, him still, right? Yeah. They have Kyle Clutterbuck who can get in and get his nose dirty. So I like the way the Islanders are made up. And then they have Varlamov. I think he was a very, very, very smart pickup. And he's a good goalie. People forget about him. And he he had a couple down years. But, man, is he playing really, really good right now. And they're just toying with the uh, with the Capitals, which is strange. They're up 3 nothing on the Washington Capitals. It's, it's amazing. And I just want to make one more point. I think the East is – if you're going to pick pick a side to get into the Stanley Cup Finals, the East has a little bit easier of a road. I feel like the four teams that got the bye, the Bruins have a massive question mark now. The Capitals are obviously on their way out. The Lightning have major injuries. And then there's the Flyers who are really untested. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals a few years back, but they've just been – they're so hit or miss. And I feel like when you look at the East, that road is so much easier than the West. When you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, who have been doing it for the last two or three years, and the Avalanche, who are just chomping at the bit. They're just this young team that's hungry that want to prove themselves. Even the Stars and the Blues. The Blues won the Cup last year, you know? And the Dallas Stars play such a, such a structured defensive game where they're just hard to play against. So if I'm picking a side, the West is so much harder to come out of than the East. So I, I would pick the Islanders out of all. And the, it, my second pick would be the Blue Jackets. So it, it's Islanders, Blue Jackets. And then even the Hurricanes would be my third pick because the East is just so much easier, I think, to come out of than the West. 
Yeah, uh, it is. And, and, you know, you look at like right now, Peng- Penguins are out, uh, Maple Leafs are out, Oilers are out. And you, I mean, the Bruins could be out. Washington's about to be eliminated. And, you know, some of these teams, are, they're going to get to the second round and look left and look right and not recognize the teams around them. This is a new league happening. Like right now in real time, it's happening. There's a takeover of these younger, smaller, newer teams that are just leaving the old teams in the dust. There's a very, yeah, there's a very real opportunity in the East that the final four teams could be the Blue Jackets, Islanders, Hurricanes, and Flyers. Amazing. And those four teams, I, I don't know when the last time any one of those teams has made it to the final four. You know, even in the West, you're going to have the Avalanche and the Flames and the Canucks. Like, th- this is exciting for teams in Canada. I don't think the Canadian market has had, have had this many teams potentially getting into the final eight in a long, long time. Because if the Canucks win, the Flames win, the Canadians are in this. Like, there is some exciting, exciting stuff happening. So, anyways, I just think that's interesting that I, I talked to Patrick Sharp last week, and you weren't, you weren't there. You were having your day off. And we were just going back and forth about if the teams that played in had an advantage or if the teams that had the rest or did the round robin had an advantage. And I thought that the teams that were playing in and playing playoff hockey had a little bit of an advantage. And I think you're seeing it now where they're giving these top seeds a run for their money. And this might be just the parody of the league kind of shaking itself out, but I don't know. I just think that means something when you are playing meaning, meaningful games as opposed to just round-robin games that don't really mean anything. And now the rust is shaken off, and these teams should be back at it by game three, four, and five, and six. But, hey, those first two games, you never know. Look at the Islanders-Capitals or even the, the Canucks. They won the first two. The Blues are still a little shaky. They're a little slow. Can you come back from being two down? Can you? Are you going to be okay, Tim? You're suppressing a yawn. I know it's late. I'm not yawning. I, I keep going to talk, and then you keep going. That's just this show. That's why my name's on the headline. This that's is true. Tim Warsberg. What were you going to say? Tell me. I'm interested. I don't even remember anymore. Well, that's good because I got an update. The Blackhawks are up two to one with three minutes and 50 seconds to go. So I was watching some of this, this game earlier. And it's, as we all know, it's one of the hardest things you can do is sweep a team in the playoffs, right? Like game four, the elimination game is people are fighting for, for their lives at that point. So, um, and the Blackhawks were, Blackhawks were showing that they had a lot of tenacity, a lot of, uh, just sandpaper to their game. They had an extra pep in their step. Duncan Keith was looking good. Kane was looking good. Uh, Kubelik was looking good. And Corey Crawford, I don't know what the number is right now. I checked about five minutes ago. He had made 37 out of 38 saves in the game. So he's standing on his head right now um, and just giving his team a chance to, to stay in it. So good for him. Uh, I, I hope to see them win this and extend the series. But ultimately, all they're really doing is putting out the inevitable, right? Yeah, this this series is on. Although when I was with the Hawks, um, gosh, it must have been. Oh, it seems like a hundred years ago. We did go down to Vancouver three nothing, and we won the next three to force a game seven. So these guys do know how to come back, and they are veteran enough. They've been around been around the league a long time. Where just it's one at a time. And I know it's a cliche, but it's like literally, let's just win this game. And once we do that, we can deal with the next game. But you can't get to the next game unless you win this game. So they know they know how to play hockey. The yep. coach there, Colleton's, he's got to be just so happy. He doesn't have to do much. He just kind of says, all right, go, boys, let's go. And, like, Johnny Taves comes in and just takes over. But what I did notice is if you're a Vegas better, we, we have Bet Online. They're one of our main sponsors. How crazy must it be to just put odds on any of these games? Because it's just bizarre. You – we listen, I know hockey, you know, hockey, we try to pick the winners and it's just a crapshoot every, every single night. Like I, I have no idea who's going to win in any given Sunday. I know that's a crazy term and today is Sunday, but it's just, <laughs> you never know who's going to win, which is great. There's been two games today that have, that have finished. They both went to overtime. The, the one, the other one's two minutes left, one goal game. I mean, it's impossible to predict at this point. And just the outcomes, like, I, I'm sorry, but I, I didn't think there would be any chance that the Arizona Coyotes would, would even be able to skate with the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. And they are doing – and mind you, this is what I want to get to next. They are getting major, major goaltending by Darcy Kempfer. That guy is – he's so good, and he doesn't get any recognition. I know they had um, Ranta, right? Right. They got and him. They signed him to a big deal. And they also signed um, Kempfer to a decent deal too. This Kemper kid is really, really good. He got something like 50 saves the other day for the W. Like, that's amazing. 50 saves for, for the win. And I think that it went to overtime, but it didn't go to overtime very long. And then this is a 
gosh, when I, when I do research for the show, I go back and the thing that stuck out to me this week was just the goalies, the goaltending play, the, the switching of the goalies and the amount of shots these goalies have been taking. And it stuff doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, Kempfer makes 50 saves for the win. And then the game previous, the Coyotes play a really tight defensive game. He makes 25 saves and they get the loss. So I, I just don't know how a team can go from one game giving up 52, 53 shots and then the very next game, they only give up like 26, 27. Stuff like that drives a coach crazy where you think you can like wrap your head around a team, what kind of team we have. And then they just play two games back to back that are just, they couldn't be more different from each other. Giving up 50 shots in a game is hard to do. It is very, very difficult to give up 50 shots. And for those of you listening, I know everybody who listens is probably a hockey fan. And most of you played hockey. When you get 50 shots on net, that means the other team is probably taking 85 to 100 shots on your net. Because you got to think 10 to 15 get blocked, 15 to 20 miss to net. You're giving up 100 shots. That's insane. That is a lot of shots. It's a 20-minute period. You break that down. What's 100 divided by 3? 33. So roughly one point two shots a minute you're giving up. That's a lot, Tim. Factor in power plays, penalty kills, stuff like that. I don't know. Stuff like that really geeks me out where it's like, holy moly, they must have just really, really worked the Arizona Coyotes and they only lost by one. And Kempford kept them in the game. Or sorry, they won that game for 50 saves. Then Mm -hmm. the game before, he had 25 saves and they carried the play and they lose. It's like, hey, you bang your head on the wall for your coach. It's just crazy. But anyways, just seeing those stats, it got me thinking, we should talk about goalies because it's, it's been glaringly evident that goaltenders are really winning games in these playoffs. And I don't know if you've seen this, Tim, but I, I know before we, we talked about the bubble, who's going to be the most affected, what position has the most risk of just being terrible. And we talked about the goaltenders. I haven't seen any drop down a play of anybody. Have you noticed anybody who's been struggling? Yeah. One, one player. Oh, Tuca. Yeah. Should we talk? Let's talk about that. Yep. Elephant in the room. You're a Bruins fan. I I try to be an objective hockey commentator now. You are. You're very good. You're not like another guy we're going to talk about in a minute, but you are fairly objective. You like like yourself some Bruins, though. I do. You you sent me a text. No, did I send you a text? I can't remember how it happened. I sent you a text. You sent me a text and you said, Tuca's out. Check this out. And I was on a walk with my kids and I had to tell my kids to stop talking to me because I was like, this is, a, this is unbelievable. I had to call you. <laughs> yeah. I, I physically had to call you old school. Let's, let's talk on the phone. Like I could not understand what ha- So tell me what happened Tim. what happened to Tuca. So here's the deal. They, they had just played the night before um, and they lost uh, two to one or three to two. And they're playing at noon on Saturday, about 1030 news comes out. Tuca, had opted out of the playoffs. He's leaving the bubble. He's not returning in the 2020 playoffs. And this is also, there's a little bit of context around this too, because he made some comments during the pandemic, during quarantine. I think maybe just as hockey was, was starting up again about possibly retiring at some point. I think he's not, and, and that maybe isn't a surprise. He's not going to be a goalie who's going to play until he's in his late thirties or something. He's, I think he's always been a guy who's going to try to retire and he's a big family guy. So there's a little bit of a precedent for this. And now the question is, you know, fast forward, is Tuka Rask coming back as a Bruin? And there's a lot of angry fans right now who are frustrated that feel like he left them during, at the worst possible time, right? Like if you felt that way, why didn't you, why'd you come into the bubble at all? Why not give Halak the time to prepare to be the starting goaltender? And if you, and even then, you know, if you try to play through it, why wouldn't you at least call it like the night before why are you calling it an hour before the the puck drop on game three um and that's kind of the outside perspective i think for me it's one you could tell his head was not all the way in it and like you said for a goalie especially during this whole pandemic this quarantine thing everything's different they live in a mental game like they're they're in a different plane when it comes to their their position that no one else is operating on and when they're not in the right space physically mentally emotionally it's hard for them to do their job so Tuka Rask, all these distractions. He's got a newborn kid at home, as well as two other young kids. 
he was not all mentally there. And it was apparent they, they got swept in the play-in games, the Bruins. It's not like them. 0-3. They do pretty well in game one. And Duke is not like he's, he wasn't embarrassing himself out there, but he was not playing his best in games one and two. You could just tell he, something was off. Um, and then he, he made that or he made the decision to, to leave. And part of me is like, yeah, you know what? Maybe he shouldn't have come in the bubble at all. But I don't know how much it really would have changed things because Halak, like they lost 0-3. So I don't know if there's playing a couple of extra games help Halak prepare. Maybe, but he still did great yesterday, right? This guy did play those games because Rask got hurt. So Rask yeah. didn't play. Like, I don't think he got into any of the round robin games because he was hurt. Maybe one. But the, the idea that he didn't give him a heads up, I think, is just completely bogus. I, I, this is what I think happened. He had a conversation with the coaches the night before, and he obviously, like you said, he aired his just laundry a little bit about how he didn't like playing in the bubble. Mm -hmm. He didn't get the intensity. He didn't like it. And that's fine. By the way, Chicago final three to one Hawks. So they're not going to get swept. Good for them. So I, I think this is what happened. They finished up the game and he went to the coaching staff and he said, listen, I'm, I'm just struggling with this. I don't know if I should stay. I don't know if I should go. I'm just not myself. I'm obviously not performing at my peak level. I don't know what to do. And I think they had a back-to-back game or they might've had a game in between. I don't I don't know the game. So I'm sorry. But anyways, the night before the game, I'm sure he talked to the coaching staff, the GM, everybody. And I guarantee you, they said, you know what? Sleep on it and let us know how you feel. Talk to your wife. Really think about this. Don't make any rash decisions because you know he's been chewing on this for the last few weeks. It's not like he just got to the bubble. He's been in the bubble for a few weeks now. So I I bet he talked to his wife and this and that, and he slept on it. Before the night, they probably told Halak, it's like, you're starting tomorrow. We're not going to start Tuca just because his head isn't right. Even if he wants to stay, you're getting the start. We lost the last game. It's, you know, it's the normal thing to do. Anyways, he woke up in the morning and he said, I don't feel right, whatever, I'm going to go. So the idea that they had an afternoon game, so it's not like they had a 7 p.m. game. Their game was at noon. So he probably told them at 7, 8 a.m. and they got to the press around 10 or 9.30. So just the idea that he hung his team out to dry and just said, peace, like tying up his skates and all of a sudden just didn't want to play. I I don't think that happened. I I bet he went about it the right way, but the Bruins just gave him some time and just, you know, think this through because it is a big decision. Like they are a legit contender for the Stanley Cup. He's never won a cup. Like this is a big decision. So it just gives you an insight. And how hard it is to kind of live without your family and your support system. I think people think these players are just robots. It's like, oh, they'll be fine. They're in the bubble. Let's go. Like, well, what's what's so hard about that? These guys are people. Like, they have families. They have responsibilities. And it's not just them. Like, his wife's at home with three kids with the newborn. That's tough. I know firsthand. Like, when I went away and my wife had two kids, it was hard. And then when she had four and I was still playing in the minor leagues, like, it it was darn near impossible. So... It's just like these are real life problems, especially with this pandemic. It's not like she can just go out and get a nanny to come and live with her. Can't really do that right now. You can't get babysitters to come in whenever you want. Like it's it's a tricky situation when it comes for that. So when it comes to that, excuse me. So it's just, you know, I respect his decision. Could he have gone about it differently? Potentially, but I think he went about it the right way as well as he could. He wanted to stick around, he wanted to be a team player. And, you know, at the end of the day, he had to go take care of his family. And you can't really jump on him for that i know bruins fans are upset but the funny thing is i was almost going to send out a tweet but i didn't want to stir the pot or like stoke the fire or pour gasoline on my tweet was going to be like now the bruins fans have something to complain about or to fall back on when they lose because now they have an excuse because they will lose this series and once they lose this series they're going to say oh it's because we didn't have tuca and you would have lost it with Tuca. I'll say that. That's I firmly believe that. And you're going to lose it now. You're going to lose it in six or seven. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with a revolutionary TheraGun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. 
A lot of CBD products claim organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get it to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. So buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. So go right now, like right now, to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFL Sunday TV, you can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday TV is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. So visit NFLTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Here's the thing. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's an entire subset that's probably not even a minority of, hockey, of Bruins fans who don't think Tuka Rask is that great or they don't think they're ever going to win a cup with him. They're like, yeah... Because what they remember is Tim Thomas, right? He was a yes. guy right before Tuka. Timmy Thomas. Yeah. And who stood on his head and carried his team, especially in the finals. And they they just don't see that from Rask. They don't see the same energy, intensity. They don't see the same fire in his eyes. Yeah, he can put up big regular season numbers, but he's just never going to take him over the hump. And you've seen that a couple runs. They did in 2013, loss to the Hawks. 2019, loss to uh, the Blues. So they, they say, you know what? Rask just doesn't is not going to win them a cup. And I, and I hate that argument because, one, neither of those series were his fault. And he played really, really well in both of them. And just the fact that, like, you haven't – like, you won, been to the cup twice and lost in a game six and a game seven doesn't mean that you can't win a cup. Second, I think the, the, the whole situation now, those people are calling for Halak. They've been calling for Halak all season. Like, give, give Halak a chance. He's, he's been a number one goalie before. There, there's a whole Halak crowd. And now those Halak fans are – mad that Tuka's gone and I'm like what are you mad about now you're getting what you want you've asked for this you've been wanting Halak to get the starting chance you said Tuka couldn't do it so Tuka's going to be gone and they're going to blame him when the Bruins lose I'm like you can't you can't have it both ways you're getting what you want now you get to see what, what Halak can do for you okay one game in he played pretty well you see that, that, that bozo goal that he let in um oh, but yeah. otherwise, played really really well welcome so. to life as a hockey player you're, you're thinking as a hockey player fans they're unreasonable. You you cannot you cannot win with them. It's just it is what it is. As a fighter, I dealt with it all the time. Where I would try to just like explain my job to somebody and what I do, and they'd be like, "Oh, we don't need you on the ice. We don't need you on the ice." And then I would sit out a game, and our star player would just get drilled from behind. Yep. And they'd be like, "What were you doing on that? Like, we need you. Like this and that." It's like, well, like, what do you want? Like, what, what do you expect <laughs> me to do? We don't like fighting, but can you protect our team? It's like. We don't like Tuca, but we don't like our backup either that much. So yeah. it's just you can't win with some fans. They just like to complain. There's a certain sector of fans who just love to to be and moan about stuff. You know what I mean? And you can't really do anything to please them. Even when you win the cup, you're like, should have won it in five games, not six. Boo! It's just, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? I don't know. There's nothing you can do. And I'm really glad I'm not living in Boston right now and having to listen to those radio callers calling in, just giving their takes on the Tuca situation. Oh, I just cringe just thinking about it. Well, let's uh, let's stay on the Bruins media. Yeah. So, speaking about that, their their color guy, like we we talked about last week, the biggest play by play. homer. Yeah. The biggest homer in the league, Jack Edwards, during that game where Tuca left, or sorry, didn't leave, he just didn't even play. Chara and Shvechnikov got tied up, tangled up. Shvechnikov went down, and he injured. So 
sources are saying that he's done for this done for the year. He went down awkwardly, did not look good, didn't come back to play. So that's a big loss for Carolina. I don't know if they'll I don't know how they'll deal with that. A very young team. They have Justin Williams. Hopefully he can rally the troops, but he's a big, big, big factor in that team. He is huge. But anyways, Jack Edwards sent out a tweet. Do you have the exact tweet in front of you or Yeah, let me pull it up. So and it's interesting because like Sveshnikov's as important to his team as really anyone is in this league right now. Yeah. Um, so it's really it's a tough look and, and it's a play that happens, you know, dozens of times a game. There's two guys battling in front of the net and Char has been pushing guys around for years. Obviously there's no intent to injure. There's really no maliciousness even in the in the shove or in in the play. Yeah, it's not asking for it. They're just battling for position. And you yeah. think in this in this stage, it's the playoffs. Edwards is a, a veteran guy. Like you said, there's no malcontent of any player. They didn't have any history throughout the game. And this guy's hurt. Like, he could be hurt the rest of the season and further on. We don't know the extent of his injury when he sent, sent this tweet out. So here and, it is. And so go ahead. Read this yeah. tweet. What? And so he tweeted this uh, probably, you know, a few minutes after the game ended where they're showing highlights of the Sveshnikov industry, uh, injury. Jack Edwards, what NBC hasn't shown yet regarding the unfortunate injury, injury to Sveshnikov, the Carolina wing playing hobby horse riding Char on the back apron of the goal. You poke the bear, you take your chances. No one wanted to see Svechnikov hurt, but he bit off more than he could chew. Which is insane. What is your take as a Bruins fan on that? You cannot defend this guy. Here's the thing. I, this is not the first time that he's uh, embarrassed or just drawn negative attention to the Bruins franchise or fanhood uh, in a public way. And it, here's there's, there's a lot you're, of factually... you're, you're You're trying to search no, no, no. for... An- our argument to defend Listen, him. There's, there's a lot of factually incorrect information about this. And I actually was watching this play when it happened. There was a play behind the net about a minute before where Chara went down in this little scramble and there was a player, a young player, giving him a nice two-hand shove with his stick, kept keeping him down the way the players do in a game. And and again, nothing wrong with that either. That's 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 part of, the, of playing the game. And then less than a minute later, Chara's tangling with another player and that player gets hurt. And Edwards is saying this is the same one. What he's saying, he's riding Chara like a hobby horse in the behind the net. It was Aho. It wasn't Svechnikov. It was a different player completely. So that's kind of the, the main thing you get wrong. And the second thing you get wrong is thinking that one thing equates to the other. One thing makes another okay. It's like, yeah, I, I kind of see his point when it comes to like, listen, you want to go toe-to-toe with Chara, you take the risk that comes with that. And like, who, who would argue that, right? But, but is what he, he going toe to toe with Chara? That's the thing that's crazy. It's like he's just battling for position. He would have done that with any defenseman in any situation in any game. Edwards yeah. is just such a homer, and he, he loves is. playing that old school game when it's like, oh yeah, you mess with the bull, you get the horns, or we're the big bad Bruins. It's just crazy, and to to just kind of stick it to a kid who was just trying to get position in front of the net and Chara didn't. Char just pushed him down. Char is doing his job. Shreshnikov's doing his job. Jack Edwards is just the biggest douche. I don't like him. Listen to the audio of when I fought uh, Sean Thornton and beat him up. And I beat him up bad. And I went into Boston with the clear intent of fighting three times that game. And he just roasts me. He's like, oh, for, for a hockey player, you can really crack the ice or for a fighter or something and this and that. And he's just making all these comments like I beat up their – their skill guy. It's like, no, that was your toughest guy on your team who you have just rode for the last four years and like praised him for beating everybody up. And I like dummied him. And now all of a sudden I'm a bad guy. And I just fought somebody who's like really valuable to your team. It's just insane how they spin things and this and that. It's like, you didn't poke the bear with Char if you're Sveshnikov. You got unlucky. He pushed you down and you twisted your leg up and you got hurt. And for him to pour salt on a wound and be like, that's what you get, you little punk. It's like, come on, man. Like and hockey Twitter, hockey Twitter went after him. Even players like Ray Ferraro tweeted at him, Jeff O'Neill, Chris Mason, Evander Kane. There was a whole bunch of guys tweeting at him, like, "Hey, horrible take. You're an idiot. You're a loser. You suck." It's- but the funny thing is, this is the this is the funny thing. You're a Bruins fan, and you're saying anything you can to defend him. I'm not defending him. I you, never defended him. You were him. trying to play the it's tape. Like, well, he said that before, and like you know, and then I uh, told him that he got he's getting stuff wrong. Not only is it a bad take, but it's also just factually incorrect. You want to defend him though? Then I that's don't. I think those are Bruins fans across the board. They're a different breed, 
and they don't like it when something doesn't go their way. And that's, that's just my take. Listen, I played in Boston many, many times, and that is a Bruins fan to a T. That's why they love them some Jack Edwards, because they're like, yeah, Jack Edwards. I'll see you at Dunkin' Donuts. I'll see you at Dunkin' Donuts, Jack. I love it. It's just, like, unbelievable. Anyways, that guy's the biggest joke ever. But he, he'll he be there forever. Unless I don't he know. slips up and says, real, real bad. I hope he He's leaves. been here for a while. Like, it's been 15 years at least. And he has slipped up, too, and said some controversial things, but they just will never get rid of him. They love him. They love him there in Boston. I want to get him on the show. I just don't know how to get a hold of anybody. I tried tweeting Milbury. I'm like, it's not going to work. I don't know. I, I can't get his number. I, it's, it's, also, it's also a bad time. I mean, these guys are busy. Let's, let's, it'll be a good summer thing, like an off-season thing. I know it's summer now. It's a crazy year. Oh, and I'm not busy? Yeah. I, but- <laughs> I do three shows a week now, Tim. Yeah, but your voice you only, is getting lost. You only do two. All right. So I just want to touch on the, the goaltending situation in Dallas, which I also thought – I know we're talking about a lot of goaltending issues here, but it's just fascinating how this – what is so funny? Well, I was – I forgot about this, but yeah. So keep going, keep going. No, no. What were you going to say? So you, you – uh, I sent you a tweet the other day that, that Kadobin was getting the start in – was it game one at the time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, against the against calgary and you sent back like yeah wow kadobin's great i played with him but bishop man is he good and i was like i sent back like oh yeah i played with kadobin too and he didn't respond i thought it was i thought it was hilarious i was cracking my i couldn't i couldn't send the text without laughing and i got nothing from you i just don't i you're just too much i I I was laughing so hard tim i broke my phone i was just laughing (laughs) i'm like oh he probably laughed and then like his kid called him in the other room and he forgot to respond that's exactly what happened that was really funny text it's hard (laughs) to laugh over text but yes very good what what i think is interesting about this and i did play with him man was he a chubby little russian when i first got him in houston he was just like cocky and arrogant he tried to sell me his nissan murano because i was looking for a car and he had this nice nissan murano and no, he, he wanted to upgrade and I, I just needed a car. And so I'm like, well, what do you, what do you want for Adobe? And he's like 30 grand. I was like, Adobe, that car is not worth that much. It's like a, maybe a penny over 20 grand. He's like 30 grand right now. He's like, it's got rims. It's got, you know, I'm try- I don't have a Russian accent, but I was like, Adobe, you're crazy. So we did not end up making a deal. But anyways, he really worked at his game. He, he's a good goalie. So I was surprised he got the start in game one. Just because Bishop, Vesna winner, very tall, statuesque goaltender, plays the position really well. Like, it surprised me. So Dobie gets to start in game one, they lose. Bishop gets to start in game two, and they win. They go right back to Dobie in game three, and they lose. They go to Dobie in game four, and they win. But when Bishop won the game two, they won it five to four. Kudobin played game three. They played really well. He only he lost 2 nothing. I think Calgary had an empty netter. So Dobie played good. They just won tonight's game 5-4. to four. So Dobie led in five goals, just like um, Bishop did. Do they go back to Bishop in game five and keep that trend? Or They, they got to stay with Kudobin. But I, I just think I, I don't get coaches. I don't understand the mindset behind that, unless Bishop is hurt. But I've seen him on the bench, so I don't, I don't get it. Like, do they – I just don't – your goalie won, and then you yank him out. I just – I don't know. Tell me, Tim, you, you wanted to coach little kids at some point. Yeah, and, and having played with Kadobin a few times, I think it's, <laughs> it's – well, I didn't understand that there was any kind of goalie controversy happening in Dallas anyway. I mean, yeah, Kadobin's a good goalie, but Bishop was a Vezina nominee last year. He played just as well this year. Fewer starts, Kadobin, like, getting, you know, a, a good lion's share of, the, of his own starts. But, I mean, how is this not automatically Bishop's role? I Maybe, maybe something happened and I missed it, but – He's one of the best goalies in the league. I don't understand this. And they did not play like, well, they split time this season and they split time last season. So they've had a timeshare for the last few years where they've really gone literally half the games. So I don't know. And I I didn't really follow them in the play in rounds too closely. So maybe Bishop kind of faltered a little bit and Hudobin played really well. That's the only thing I can think of why they would roll with Anton, but I don't know. It's it's obviously working out. They're both veteran goaltenders. They got to be what 32, 33, 34, 35-ish that area. Hudobin has got to be at least 34, 35. They're both 33. I think Hudobin's 34. But anyways, um it's Hockey reference is wrong. He was born in 1986. So, that'd make him 34. But anyways, I don't want to get into a 
an age match. When you find out the real age, go to the Dallas Stars webpage, look at his birth date, and then I'll I'll accept oh, okay. your apology in a little bit. He's so, thirty four now. He's thirty three when the regular season happened. His birthday oh, was in May. Okay, well let's let's post this episode in May then. Then you can be right. <laughs> let's do that. Anyways, I just think it's strange that. I don't know. The coach would just switch the goaltenders back and forth. And when your goalie gets to win, you don't stick with them. I don't know. I don't know what kind of message that sends to a Bishop. If you do need to go back to him in the future, if he's just going to be just, come on, man, like just mentally mind games, but even to your team, it's like, who are we rolling with here? What, what is going on? It doesn't make sense to me because players talk and players have a, a preference of goaltenders. They really do. I know they both play the puck fairly well. Hudobin's pretty, um, aggressive with the puck i know he comes out and he's really good with it and so is bishop so i don't know it's a little thing but to me it was just really interesting why they would kind of switch to goaltenders like that so i yeah, know it's the goaltender show tim what do you want me to do so that's it that's all i got we can talk about talbot getting 57 saves and him standing on his head for calgary we can talk about are they going to go to well they played mark andre Fleury, yeah i guess gold knights after they went up two nothing they played mark andre Fleury, and then they go back to robin Lanner tonight. So I just don't understand what these coaches are doing. I really don't. Laner loses tonight, three to one, two to one, really. They have an empty netter. He didn't play terrible, but what do they do? You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know. To be a fly on a wall, these genius coaches, this is like crunch time. This is when you want to, you're winning the Stanley Cup. I don't, like you have in your mind, if you're a coach, this is my best goalie. This is the one I'm going to ride. You know, I, I don't, I don't understand. It's not like Robin Lander has played a lot of hockey this year. He's split time in Chicago. He's split in time in Vegas. Like ride him out. Let's go. I know I talk, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Cause I did talk about a few episodes ago where you're going to see this platoon because the games are so close together. So maybe I'm just kind of talking myself in circles here, but it just, I don't get it. I, I don't understand it, Tim. That's why I don't make the big bucks. You don't have to let's uh, let's end this on a really, really, really good note here. Ooh, Ready? I'm excited. Oscar Lindblom practiced with the Flyers today. He's the guy that was out with, uh, I think, bone cancer in December, yeah. and he had no time able to return. This is his first time practicing with the team since he was out, and so uh, it's huge for him, huge for the guys. I'm sure he'll get some stick taps, stick taps around the league for this. Still no timetable to actually return to play. But his goal is to get back to his team, get back to his normal life. He's only 24. Um, so really, really good news. Good for him to make that battle back. Can't be easy, and I'm sure the boys are happy to see him. I wouldn't be surprised the Flyers getting that little extra boost tonight against the Habs. So he's in the bubble. Yep. I wonder if he was a part of their 30-man roster. Must have been. That's a pretty Which, bold choice. Yeah, I mean – he can't play. But then again, you're not going to play. There's five or six guys that will never sniff the ice. So it's, it's probably yeah, not very, that big. A, that's a good, good move. by the. And I guess you have him there, and you can kind of take care of him and stuff. But, man, that's interesting. Very Good. That's great news. Really cool. Good stuff. That is – we'll end the show on a high note, a very good note. I know we talk about a lot of negative stuff. Isn't it funny how – the interesting topics to talk about are just like the negative stuff, like Jack Edwards and all that kind of junk and stuff like that. You turned just, into the very people that you used to hate, John. You're the negative media guy now. But I'm not negative on the players. I'm more negative on the media. So I still don't like the media. It's like that yeah. quote from Batman. You either die a hero or see yourself become a villain. Which Batman was that? It's uh, the Joker one with uh, Heath Ledger. Okay. Either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. Who was your favorite Batman? Uh, I'm too young to remember, like the. Well, Michael obviously you don't remember. Like, who was the first George one? Clooney. Oh, remember no. Michael Keaton and George Clooney. Then there was Christian Bale. Yeah. Then there was Ben Affleck. Affleck, and then there was someone in the middle too. You probably like Christian Bale. He was unbelievable. Yeah, he was good. Those movies are incredible. Who was your favorite villain? In the Batman movies? Yes. I mean, Heath Ledger, the Joker. Do you think he was your favorite, eh? Yeah, he's the one, arguably the best acting performance of all time. And just a crazy, crazy villain. So, yeah, for sure. I liked the original with Michael Keaton with the Penguin and the original Joker, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? That was just really cool. I liked I when it as a kid. Batman was flying to him towards him in the Batwing and the Joker pulls out this comically long gun. It's the barrels like 
three feet long and he pulls it out of his pants and he kind of takes down the bat wing. This is cool. Stuff like that. You don't see that these days because people are just like, no, no way you're going to take down a plane with a long gun like that. Like it's all too high tech now and it wasn't CGI enough, but it was just cool. Even Catwoman was awesome with Halle Berry. Yeah, I do remember that. That movie was great. That might be my favorite Batman. Michael Keaton too. Who would have, who would have thought? I think Val Kilmer was Batman too. Yep, he was another one. Who? What is your names. favorite superhero now? Well, it's funny. Uh, I don't remember how long ago. Maybe last fall, about a year ago, or after, it was definitely before the pandemic. I watched. I had never seen the Marvel movies, and I watched yeah. them all in a row, starting with the first Iron Man up to uh, Spider Man. What's the most recent Spider Man? And it was that's a lot. Too. So you're including like. All of the, like the Thor movies and yep, stuff. And, yep. Wow. Um, so it took Captain me Captain America and the Wonder Woman. Yeah, not Wonder Woman. That was that's uh, DC. But it took me a couple months. Oh, uh, I was gonna say, how long did that yeah. take? Okay. Yeah, but it was really, and I, I never, I never thought I would like him. It just seemed like a little too goofy and like self indulgent. I'm like, this is not gonna be great. But it's so well written. The acting's awesome. The characters are awesome. The stories are great. And when you see all the people come together in the different Avengers movies, and do you have you seen them, the movies? Not chronologically like you have, but I've seen them. Like I watched all the Iron Man just because they're so great, and I, I, don't, I don't think I've seen any of the uh, the Marvel Avengers ones. Maybe maybe one of them. The Infinity War was one of the best movies I've ever seen. It was incredible. Really? Is that yeah. the one with Kronos or um, Th- Thanos? Yeah, Thanos? he's in a few of them. He's he's big in that one. Um, yeah, man, they were good. They were a lot of fun. And, is uh, Deadpool and the X Men involved in them, or no? They're, I think they're they Marvel, Marvel, but they're not. They're not part of this universe. I don't know. I don't really follow it. So, who is back to the question? Who is your favorite superhero? <sighs> Probably Spider Man. I like Spider Man. He's cool. Yeah, he's cool. Peter Parker. Who's yours? Iron Man. Yeah, I like Iron Man. The engineer in you. I think he's just super cool. Yeah, tinkering and stuff. I like that he's actual normal guy and he just like yeah. he just kind of designs all these things. I don't like he should have died millions of times. Like it's a really far fetched storyline, but it's just really cool. Keep watching the movies, John. Did he die? No, know. he didn't. You're gonna watch him. Have a, let's have a movie night every Saturday night, every Sunday. Yeah, that'll be fine. I got nothing else to do. I would love to, but I know I don't think I can get away. Just like we were supposed to have beers tonight on the driveway. No, not tonight. I got I got a short leash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I I I made that leash myself. So <laughs> yeah, right. John's like, hey, I can't hang out an hour later. Actually, I changed my mind. I'm around tonight. Come to find out that <laughs> wife took the kids out, so he gave John the night off. I'm like, I got a couple hours. Let's go do it quick. <laughs> <laughs> I know you'll understand one day, Tim, when you settle down. We'll see. So any big news in your, in your personal life you want to talk to us about? No. I know your mom listens to the show. She's very concerned. No, she's good. She's good. Um, trying to get a new apartment, so that's in the works. Are you going to buy or are you going to rent? I'm going to rent. Maybe buy next year. Hmm. What would be your max? I, I love watching the realtor shows, and it just gives you a sense of like what you can get your bang for your buck around the country. What's your budget, yeah. Tim? It's, it's always ridiculous, though. Have you seen those like memes on Twitter where it's like uh, the couple will be like, oh, I'm a kindergarten teacher and I sell cucumbers on the road stand and our budget's one and a half million. <laughs> it is funny. I always get annoyed when I see them when they're shopping in Atlanta. And it's like, well, you know, we just want five bedrooms and seven bathrooms and a pool and this and that. And the realtor's like, Shh. That's going to cost you four hundred grand. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> impossible. It's crazy. Atlanta's so cheap. If I lived in Atlanta, I would own half the city. I think it's just every every time they do a show there, it's all always this is mansion and it's crazy cheap. I'm like, how does this how does this happen? It's bizarre. Like, come to Michigan. It's like it's it's expensive here. It crazy. Is. We got ourselves is. a little Manhattan here in Traverse City. It's a lot of fun. Well, if you want something to rent, Tim, I got a little house for you. I'm renovating it right now. I got most of the windows in my place. Aren't you moving in there soon? Well, I don't know. We'll see. I got to sell my house first. You can buy my house. You got a million bucks? No. Oh, I mean, I'm selling my car too, the all-star car. Yeah, we need to make a big deal out of that. People will, if you sign it or something, 
It's good. Nobody would buy it if I signed it. People aren't like that silly, but I am selling the all-star car. I need a car with more seats. So if you're interested, hit me up. 2016 Honda Pilot, 60,000 miles. It's like in great shape. It, so what they do with that all-star thing, it's like you don't get the car that's on the ice. They say you can pick from two cars. It was the Honda Pilot or the Honda the van, Accord or whatever it is. And I was like, let's get the pilot. And they're like, all right, just tell us what you want. Go on our website and like make a car and then we'll give it to you. So this thing is like decked out to the nines, every option, everything you can imagine. Like it's, it's an unbelievable car and it drives great, but I just need more seats. So you have to pay anything for it, like the tax or anything. I paid taxes. Yeah. But it wasn't that insane. I think I paid like three, four grand in taxes and it's like a 50, $60,000 car. So I'm selling it for 25. I think I want for it. 27. I can't remember what I listed it for. I remember I went to list it at like 22 and then I saw somebody else who was listing the same car at like 30. And I was like, huh, okay, I'm going to list mine for higher. I just think it's no rhyme or reason. I'm such a dummy sometimes. Well, the car's not selling. The house is not selling. Maybe we need to readjust here. <sighs> Tell me about it. I just got everything's in limbo in my life. Everything. Except for this podcast. Except for my listeners. I love you guys and gals. Thank you very much. But anyways, it's time, Tim. It's late. You're tired. I'm tired. We got to... Probably do another podcast tomorrow for all the stuff that's going to happen. There's still through to one game to finish and two games yet have started. So it's just, it's craziness. The Flyers are up one nothing midway through the second. Anyways, everybody, I hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Cheers. Sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball back in action and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners bet online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sport news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online. Your online wagering experts. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at dropping underscore gloves for episode highlights, behind the scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time. Uh.